You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and the interview subject I've got coming up for you is a real good one, let me tell you. It's Carl Willits from the Outfits Memoriam and Bolt Thrower. The reason for the conversation is to promote Memoriam's fantastic new album, Requiem for Mankind, which will be out 21st of June 2019 via the esteemed Nuclear Blast label. Before we get to the chat, let me tell you, I've had a conversation with Carl on two occasions prior to this one, so this is my third conversation with him, and they get better and better each time. So he's hoping Carl and the lads have another album in them, or an EP, or another release of some description that we can promote, or even better still, actually, an Australian tour for 2020. There you go. Laying the platform now, laying the groundwork now for that one to occur, so as I can chat to Carl again, because I really enjoy my conversations with him. On that note, let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go. Look, the other thing too is is that we've had a couple of conversations you probably remember and I, I love looking forward to talking to you, mate, because you're one of those guys, you have an informed opinion, you have, I mean, you're, this is your third album in a row, third album in three years, okay? You're, <laughs> you're genuinely, without blowing smoke up your ass, excuse my language, you are genuinely <laughs> leading the way. You know, I've been listening to, my, my taster is varied as this, so I've been listening to Requiem from Ma- for Mankind intersped with yeah. Santana's new one, Africa Speaks. And you know, from from my perspective, they're both on par with each other. You know, that's great to hear. Yeah, I mean, that's that's we are working at a voracious pace, uh, and I guess uh, as you say, three albums in three years is a quite a phenomenal achievement at uh, at this point in our careers. So yeah, we're really enjoying the way that it's rolling. Rolling, you know, it's uh, it's been a great experience the past three years. And I say we, you know, it's almost like an annual event. Speaking to you about, about it is. The, uh, <laughs> Between you and so, Blitz yeah, from Overkill, it's, it's, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, this album is, is a, you know, a particularly big step forward for us, I think, in many respects. You know, I think it's very much can be seen to be like a product of the first two albums, you know. And, um, you know, I presume we've gone into this interview already. I've got, yeah, I'm, go ahead. I'm, right. I am on interview mode. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, I can definitely um, state that we all feel that this album is – uh, the definitive um, memoriam album. We've, we've kind of like been searching and experimenting and you know, developing over the past two years, as, as as bands do when they first get together and they first release things. And um, we've been kind of searching for what we feel is what was the the blueprint, the uh, the sound we were trying to get. And um, we definitely achieved that on this album, the third album in, and we knew it was important to do that. And we've done it and delivered an album which we're entirely satisfied with. And yeah, really, the, there's not a lot different in many respects to the previous two albums. Yeah, we, we kind of, we, we write the songs the same way. We hmm. we deliver the songs the same way in the studio. But the only, the major difference with this new album is the fact that we've engaged the services of an independent specialist in the form of producer, Mr. Russ Russell, you know, to help us with the process. And, um, you know, his, his input uh, and commitment and into the album, as I say, can't really be understated because mm. he wasn't just there to, to produce it. We involved Russ from a very, very early stage. So in 2018, when we knew we were going to be um, using Russ, we kind of um, we were sending him over the songs as we were writing them. So they, he was getting them at the very early stage, the very 
embryonic stage of the development of the songs, the early rough demos of them. So he was involved in them from from day one, really. So he got to he got to hear them, got to to grow with them and learn them. And so when we went to the studio in in February, February mm-hmm. two thousand nineteen, to record to to his studios in Kettering Parlour Studios. Um, yeah, he already knew what he wanted to achieve with with the album and, the, and each individual song, okay. and that kind of aligned with exactly what we wanted to achieve as well. So, having him on board has really helped the process for us. You know, sometimes when you're just doing it yourself and you're totally involved in it, you kind of lose some perspective. So it's great to have some external experience. That yeah, he's, he's got such a wealth of, of knowledge and experience, and the equipment in his studio he's got is you know. Yeah. yeah, second to none. It's you know, all top of the range, high quality stuff. And you know, even down to little things where he knows specifically where to place the mics to get the best sound, you know, yeah. to, to get that old school epic genre kind of like sounding um, that he's achieved. So, yeah, so we're really, really pleased with the way that it's all come together. And uh, yeah, we, we were just now at this point, we're kind of like um, quite prepared to kind of like stand still, take a breath. Uh, have a look back yeah. at what we've achieved over the past few years and maybe yeah. just enjoy the moment for what it is rather than trying to push forward again and try and redo another album in, in, in you know, next year. I think we, we kind of, we're quite satisfied where we're at with this at this point. So what, now it may be a time for us to, yeah, to ease back a bit and just enjoy what we've achieved and just go out there and play gigs, doing the songs off the three albums that we've got and, and not, you know, kind of like worry about focus on doing another album. We, we have got another album in the bag obviously uh, yeah we've got um you know a con- extended contract with nuclear bass but uh you know i think maybe at this point we may, may just continue just rolling out doing shows mm-hmm. we may focus on doing some of the little side projects that we've all got lined up to do which should be interesting you know and also there's yeah. another little avenue we'd like to kind of uh, to go down which is we've always said you know when we first started out we wanted to do some cover songs of, of the bands that influenced us nice. to, uh, to yep. want to be in bands in the first place. And, you know, we, that was one of the things that we, we said we'd do when we first started. And we just never got around to doing it because we got sidetracked by creating new <laughs> songs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe time for us to maybe start thinking about doing that. And whether we release like a series of seven inches through Cosmic Key or, or a limited edition album with, you know, eight or so tracks on it. Who knows? So we got some options at this point and it's quite nice to be in that position just to uh, to be able to take stock and um, have some options of directions to go in with the future. Mm. Yeah, and look, taking stock, let's talk about that for a moment because you've had three classic death metal albums in three years. And I'm, you know you know me well enough now from the interviews that we've done, man, I don't blow smoke up your ass without a reason. I mean, <laughs> but this, this new one here, I don't know how you've done it, but I think you've topped the other two. Okay. Now, yeah. I think for the fallen was when it came out. I was it was seriously blown away. I, I, I'd say that's the one we've got on cassette that we listen to all the time. The silent vigil I listen to regularly, and you'll love this when I'm swimming because I do a lot of swimming. <laughs> so it's your swimming album. <laughs> it's my swimming album, and and of course Requiem from Mankind. I've been listening to swimming as well, but I find Requiem for Mankind. There's a fourth dimension to this album, and and I think probably the best song that you guys have ever written collectively is on this being refused to be led that right, song okay, sends shivers yeah. up my spine it truly right, does okay. I, I listened to yeah when i first got the album and i was going through it i had that one and i think i listened to that one five or six times in a row just so as i could capture it you know scotty's yeah, guitar yeah, playing yeah. is all time i mean he's really up there right now he is real i mean he's 
he's on a roll, isn't he? Definitely. Holy you know, shit. Kind of a, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is it. You know, and he's continually uh, pushing the boundaries with what we do as well. You know, cause he's, he's kind of he's still got that million dollar riff vault with the uh, with the, the riffs <laughs> in there from you know ages ago, still unused. Yeah. But also alongside that, he's still he's continually writing new ones as well. So uh, yeah, he's he's um, his creative output is is immense, and um, yeah, there's no way you can't you can't keep him down. He's 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 continually coming out with stuff for us and uh, moving forward. So yeah, I mean that's the thing with it with that song as well. Refused to be led when mm. we went into the studio. The demo versions of that were totally different. And then while we we're in the studio, Scott came up with the uh, kind of like oh, the kind of um, that kind of harmonic guitar. Sound, yeah, it's beautiful, like Paradise yeah. Lost kind of yeah, exactly. Feel to it, you yeah, know, in many respects, yeah. And that wasn't there before. That was something that was just added in the studio and it totally changed the dimensions of the song you know massively uh you know a huge improvement on it and we are really really pleased with the way um that comes together yeah for me that for me it's one of my again it's one of my favorite songs it's hard to sing oh, out to hear that yeah it's what hard. Is my favorite songs you're right but, it is uh, hard to do it but that song yeah really jumped out at me when i was listening to it in the car on the way home from uni one day and I mean, the other song yeah, is Austerity well, Kills. That's another killer cut. They're they're all bangers, right? But there are some that I really feel like if you, I'd even say if refused, if someone wanted at this point in time, if someone said to me, "What does death metal sound like?" I'd show them Refuse to Be Led. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good example. Yeah, it's, it's mm. strange that you picked out the two which are kind of kind of fairly um, personally and politically charged songs that are on the album as is well. That right? They're there the ones you go. that kind of. Well, they're the ones that stand out. Yeah. Maybe it's because they're written from a, you know, a really personal perspective uh, of my kind of like uh, view on life and the world as it is, and mm. uh, you know, refuse to be led obviously directly about the issues that are facing us here in not just in the UK but across the world, but specifically mm. about Brexit and issues like that. You know, the, yeah, the uh, the process of isolationism from the mainland of of Europe and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the project. Project Fear, which seems to be kind of like predominating the uh, the uh, the right wing agenda, which is uh, pushing these uh, ideas throughout the world. So yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, it's interesting you picked on those, and it's it's great to be able to write songs like that. You know, uh, I've said before, you know, it was great to do bands like Bolt Throw in the past. You know, but ultimately writing songs about war, which I will still do. Obviously, they're on their album as well. It was, you know, it was kind of fairly containing in many ways. So it's great to have that opportunity uh, to, you know, kind of uh, get on my little soapbox and and say something about what I think is is wrong with the world we live in, you know, and that's ultimately what Requiem for Mankind is all about. Hmm. Yeah, well, I I think I've said it before, mate, but, you know, you, you do have a very informed voice on these matters and i think it's really important that you are bringing that voice to the people and and the the thing is you're doing it through death metal because we're used to punks doing it we're used to some grind artists like napalm death doing it but i really feel like you're the leading light in that respect within death metal and it's so important that you continue to do that because the thing i notice about you carl is that even if people don't agree with you they respect your opinion yeah they, they yeah, love yeah, I, hearing I, from you. you know what i mean Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can't expect everyone to agree. I don't expect everyone to agree, but you know, I think people do um, appreciate that I have got opinion, and uh, I am in a kind of fairly privileged position to be able to stand up and, and say something. And I think, yeah, people understand and, and um, yeah, respect that in many ways. And if if I can just get up there and say something that connects with other people, hmm. you know, across the world, you know, in different places that are in similar situations, and and helps them to make sense of the situation, and you know 
affirms their beliefs well that's what it's all about really it's it's that connectivity and making mm. joining people together in that kind of united kind of like ideology of, of standing up against the wrong doings and the the evil that exists in this planet mm. well i think you're an icon and the reason I say that is because I think a lot of people on the left, okay, they sort of resort to name calling and they resort to, they can get, if you don't mind me saying, if you look at Antifa and the like, it can get violent very quickly. But with you, yeah. you're always very measured. And when you when you express an opinion, it's like as if you're asking for a cup of tea, meaning that there's, there's <laughs> which is a great well, that's thing. That's it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of I kind of tend to kind of think through my uh, my my, my delivery yeah. and the way that I uh, address issues, you know. And but you know, if if I am awful, all up for it. If it does down come down to physical violent confrontation, you know, I'm all up for a bit of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you're such a nice guy, mate. I know people have met you and you. Want one of those guys in the industry that, like I said, like I, I genuinely really look forward to your annual conversations because you've been that <laughs> prolific, and I know that you know. Hopefully, it happens in the next twelve months. But I've just I've, I've so enjoyed our conversations in the past, and and I know you've always got a perspective on things. So here's a good question for you, okay? So Boris Johnson and what's going on over there with the Tory leadership <laughs> at the moment? <laughs> over to you, mate. Boris what are your thoughts? <laughs> you, you've got a five-year-old. Do you see a program on television called The Little Kingdom? No, I haven't seen it, to be honest. Okay, the Little Kingdom is about a kingdom of elves and fairies. It's, it's really hilarious. If you ever get a chance to see it on uh, mm. on YouTube, your, your little girl will love it. It's one of my favourite children's programs. It's called The Little, little Kingdom. And... One of the characters in the Little Kingdom is the mayor of uh, of the Little Kingdom, and he is based on Boris Johnson. <laughs> he actually looks <laughs> like Boris Johnson with the hair. And uh, shit, yeah. He's a buff- he's an absolute fucking idiot. He's a buffoon, and um, and it comes across so subtly but very cleverly in this this, this program. So recommended watching the Little Kingdom. <laughs> Keep an eye for that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just. I'm I'm almost of the feeling that if if that idiot uh, becomes the prime minister, not that it makes any fucking difference, they're all fucking idiots. <laughs> um, if he becomes, it's just it's just become a laugh. Him and Trump in charge of two two you know, yeah. kind of world power you know world powers. What has the world come to? It's just it's just absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Mm. Yeah, the irony of it is that we don't have any choice in this. This is a map that's going to be settled amongst the right wing, the 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 Conservative Party of the, mm. of the UK. So we, the general public, have no say in whether we want him as our Prime Minister. He's, and judging by the, the opinion polls that have been out today, he seems to be the leading candidate yeah, I to saw that. That, take yeah. over that position. Yeah and, yeah, and that's just absolutely absurd. The, mo- the bloke's an idiot. He hasn't got a clue what he's doing. He's just a buffoon, uh, a yes-man to the right. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of legacy and then he's uh, what he's done uh, whilst he was in london and the spending that he's uh, failed to achieve on in, in london yeah uh, and failed to deliver mm-hmm. he's just phenomenal his track record is very 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 poor the bloke's an idiot the bloke is an absolute idiot so yeah he's the natural uh, he's gonna be the natural one to be the leader of uh, <laughs> to become the prime minister of the uk mm. it seems that the world is led by idiots right now and that's why I refuse to be led by them. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you think that link that link, that link, that linked in quite well, didn't it? <laughs> it? It does. But I guess the next point is: Do you think Corbyn's got a chance at the next election? 
Yeah, like a, do, you, do you see it sincerely? Believe yeah, that yeah. I mean, be... I, 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 I personally think Jeremy Corbyn is, is a is a good man. You know, I think that uh, he has got a lot of ideals that are right. He's a man of the people, and um, yeah, I'd vote for him any, any, tomorrow. I, I'd, I'd love to see him uh, as uh, as the prime minister of the UK. But wh- whether it will happen or not, I, I, I doubt it highly because there's so many uh, knives out, and uh, you know, kind of like the. The, the, kind of the, the right wing media kind of would uh, kind of all already kind of uh, yeah that's, it's interesting to see how the right wing media kind of like took the knives out to Michael Gove you know all this whole kind of sure. cocaine yeah. scandal yeah you know I'm sure if they dug, they dug deep enough into any of these people uh, oh, there, they'd, they'd just find something to pick on you know what I mean yeah. so it's, it's it's like the way they select their candidates so they they kind of control what's going to happen so but yeah I think Corbyn's got a, a, a lot big a, a difficult bridge to gap between his ideology and you know the, the current state of affairs that are in the you know you know in the UK here it's it, there's a we as I say in, in that song yeah we are a divided nation you know mm-hmm. the, the the effect of of Brexit has managed to polarise people's opinions in a in a massive way you know and I've said it before to you in the last interview it seems like the older generations influenced by publications like the Times mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the the Sun the Daily Mail. Um, are the ones that have made a decision which is ultimately going to affect the younger generation. So they're the people that are the ones that have to deal with the, with the fallout of this and the issues from it. So it seems like a, a thing that's been forced through. And the agenda of it behind it all is all about fear, basically. It's all about immigration mm-hmm. and issues like that. It is an issue. But, uh, yeah, it seems that we're kind of losing a lot of our institutions, such as the NHS, and we, you know, by, by losing, by taking on Brexit and becoming an isolated little island off the off the arse end of Europe, mm-hmm. see, scrambling around trying to seek trade deals with America, with China, with with India, I think comes to countries like that. You know, the issue of immigration is just going to be even more, even more so. That, you know, the first thing they're going to ask for if he asks for a trade deal with India, with China, is more is more visas, is more kind of things. So, yeah, the irony behind that is, is incredible. Uh, and it's, it's basically totally destroyed any sense of unity this country has got and i think that's what corbyn's going to have to address and, and kind of get beyond yeah. those to those that he's, he's a man of the people and he's got a lot of support but it's addressing those that are on the other side of the fence that are strongly against his ideals and what he stands for you'd have to think that with uh boris johnson's uh, ability to campaign and having the machine behind him that he does that it's probably highly likely, if you don't mind me saying, he's going to be re-elected as the prime or he be, he will be elected as the prime minister over Corbyn. Um, but do, do do you see that as being? That's my opinion, of course. Do you see that as being the case? Do you think it's just a given? Yeah, that- I mean, that, that's the thing. There won't be a general election. You know, automatically at this point, Corbyn will at this point automatically. Johnson oh yeah, the, I'm, the I'm talking minister, about. Yeah. I'm but then yeah, we're yeah. talking in the future. Yep. In the future, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But it, it's, the politics is a strange thing and a very short term kind of uh, issues. And a lot can happen in, in a matter of six to twelve months. And you know, I think that Johnson is such a fucking buffoon that he's going to do a load of damage mm. and a load and make a lot of stupid mistakes and some uh, some dangerous allies. allies. And I think <clears throat> yeah, I'd like to think that the British public aren't so fucking stupid that they that they can see through. And so, yeah, ultimately, I think it could work for the for the positive of, of the nation. I think, yeah, I think that uh, it could be a close fought battle if 
if the Labour Party do decide to put Corbyn forward as the uh, the candidate to uh, to go for into Parliament against Johnson, it's going to be a mm. close fought battle, I think. But uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, the it's we are going down a very dangerous course in history at this this point, I think. And um, mm. times are interesting, and that is a great source of lyrical inspiration. It is indeed, and another source of lyrical inspiration that you've referenced there uh, is Trump, or or through the conversation there is Trump, of course. Now, we first had our discussion, uh, had a our first conversation was actually when he was elected, okay, and it was it was well, yeah, the world was shell shocked. There's no two ways about it, and uh, an, an unlikely, even if you were a Republican supporter, an unlikely win, an unlikely candidate. But my question for you is. Do you think he's been as bad as what we thought he might have been back then in 2016 or 17 when we first had a chat? Do you think in the intervening years things have gotten worse or is it just, you know, he's just representing a system, so to speak? Yeah, in many respects, he, he just represents the uh, the status quo, the, the, mm. you know, the actual kind of like the power elite. And he's an exact great example of the, uh, the conservative power elite, you know, he's a... Uh, Money he's generated through business, his businesses is uh, is still there and, and growing, obviously. But um, he provides the world with a fantastic hate figure. Everyone loves to hate Donald Trump, and I think that works in his favour in many respects. In many yeah, respects, it, it does, builds up it? the yeah. uh, builds up the media, the coverage he gets. You know, you can't escape the new newspapers on a global basis without kind of seeing Trump on the cover virtually every other day. You know, and uh, with him being in your face so constantly, that kind of uh, that I think that's worked in his favours. But yeah, I, on a on a personal level, I think he's um, had a massive massive negative effect on 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 the way things are in, in the world, and specifically uh, has helped stoke the fires of of uh, of, of neo conservative fascism within the. Um, Within the USA, in particular, and encouraged it on a global basis. You know, through his um, his position, it's almost given the green light for the, the for all the <clears throat> the fascists to come out the uh, out the woodwork. And you see that being replicated across the globe in your country, my country, every country across the across the globe. So yeah, ultimately, I think it's uh, he's a, an evil presence and a wrong presence, and um, you know. <sighs> Hopefully something will change. Surely he can't be re-elected for another turn. Uh, but you know, it's 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 insane. It's crazy. He's a populist, populist uh, image icon mm-hmm. to the uh, to the, um, the the disin- disenfranchised members of society. To but it's ultimately, you know, those people will gain from it. Uh, yeah, that's 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 the bottom line. But yeah, it's it's always that way. That's the way politics works, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something. There are two candidates in the US that are giving a lot of people globally hope. And I think this is what people like you're in the UK, obviously, I'm in Australia, that we've got hope for, which is a candidate from the Democratic side, Tulsi Gabbard. Don't know whether you've heard of her, but she is an absolute genius. Like, I mean, she's so impressive, this lady. And she's, right, okay. she's the I, don't Dem- think I've, I don't think I've come across her. Mate, check her out. She's the Democratic candidate. She represents Hawaii in the Senate. I think that's what, yeah, you and okay, we have the okay. same, whatever their system is. She's in Congress, sorry. She's a congresswoman for right, for right. Uh, Hawaii. Right. And also Andrew Yang is the other one. And Andrew Yang is one of these guys that's talking about universal basic income because he's talking okay. about okay. the rise of automation and the fact that a lot of primary industry jobs will be, well, they won't be anymore. So we've got to find 
something to do for people who would typically go into those those sectors and the way to do that is to yeah. initially provide a universal basic income and you know i'm paraphrasing here there's a lot more detail to it that i encourage anybody listening to you know go and investigate but that's the bottom line but tulsi gabbard her big thing is this and this is a big thing that i have personally personally with the united states i don't i don't this is not about the united states people the people of the u.s but their bloody government and their constant but, yeah, intervening yeah. in regime change and wars yeah her, well, politi- yeah they're politically you know meddling with, with other nations yeah. as well yeah, yeah how yeah. dare yeah, they yeah, but, like constantly yeah. intervene in the middle east and south america yeah. or the yeah, well, Contra- venezuela was a classic example yeah of exactly that recently as well and it, yeah. Yeah, it seems to be a continuing continuous kind of process of them not getting their affairs straight in their own country, but you know, meddling in you know, inst- in trying to destabilise other economies in other countries and be- make them dependent upon the, uh, hmm. the on the on, upon the US state. Yeah, it's 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 incredible that's still going on. You know, it's it's almost um, you know empire building, imperialism. Uh, yeah, the new face of imperialism in the twenty first century. It's uh, yeah, it's still there. So uh, yeah, it's it's worrying, worrying time, but. Um, yeah, all we can do is to do our own little bits to try and make a change and, and make a difference, and uh, that's all we can do, really, isn't it? Mm. That, indeed, mate. That's that's so true. It's We can only be individuals and be the change that we can make individually, and, you know, at the end of the day, we, we have a vote. You and I have one vote each in our respective countries, yeah. and use it wisely, no doubt. Use yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Just even if it's just there to... Uh, to register your discontent with the system. I mean, for many years, for, for you know, past 20 odd years, maybe, in my teens, I always used to vote by going and spoiling my vote. I used to go and kind of like cross off, cross off all the candidates and go, yeah. none of these <laughs> fucking idiots, because, yeah. you know, I kind of was, you know, I, I kind of, almost a kind of anarchist kind of like perspective and, but you know, I feel that now at this point in our life, that you have to get involved. You have to to, to force change. Indeed, yes. You have to engage with the political system that's there, in order to to just make you know get your voice heard. You know, and and you know, I live my area that I live in. It's in Solihull, which is a, a staunchly you know middle class uh, conservative area, and Labour mm-hmm. have got nothing here whatsoever. But you know, by going there and just voting for you know, Labour or, or yeah, Labour, which I do, um, at least it's kind of registering that there are people here mm-hmm. in, the, in the area that, that, that aren't, aren't for the Conservative power that, that uh, holds sway, and yeah, will always, because that's the way it is around here. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you have, it's just small gains. It's little, little, little things that, that you can do yourself. You know, passing on the, the ideology to your children is important, you know, and getting, making them understand, you know, the aspects of, of you know, of taking care of themselves and other people in the world as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the small things that all add up. If we all kind of contribute in a small ways, then uh, then big changes will happen eventually. Look, I'd hate to lose you to the music industry. There's no doubt about that. I'm, you know how big a fan I am of the work that you've done, but can you ever see yourself standing for office, meaning standing as an independent candidate <laughs> or a Labour Party candidate? Oh, no. No, I, that's that. It's, it's such a, a vile, vile kind of system of, uh, that's that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I wouldn't have the time, energy, or effort, to, especially at this point in my life, to, to do that. I yeah. much prefer to just be in a band and do what I want to do, and and to make sure I make changes in that way. So yeah, yeah, po- politics is not an area for me. Maybe it would have been 20, 20 years ago if I was politicised. But you know, I think I've mentioned this before. You know, I think. Our generations were actively 
disencouraged to become politically active and involved just in order to maintain the status quo in many respects we were you know kind of like wrapped up in the whole you know consumerist kind of capitalist kind of way of life and you know wanted to buy a new better telly a better car whatever whatever. and actively encouraged to to disengage with politics you know and i think through what's happened recently over the past few years you know it, it has one positive uh, outcome from it is it has made people switch on to politics a little bit more. It has people made people, forced people to become engaged with the process because they can see all the things that are going on around us that are inherently wrong. So, you know, if there's one thing, one positive, huge positive thing is that we're finding that younger people are going out onto the streets and demonstrating, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be about environmental issues on the, in the global or political issues, social, economic, whatever. Uh, we're starting to see the younger people getting more actively involved in politics and through them and their active participation change will happen hopefully i don't know whether you saw but down here the labor party was was in every poll literally every single poll it's not like there was an outlier poll like there was in the states back when trump got elected where the la times poll predicted i think it was that one the trump victory everybody predicted a labor party victory down here in Australia, over the LNP, which is the Conservative Party. Uh, uh-huh. okay. That didn't happen. The Conservative Party got in by, by I've got to say, by a significant majority. It must be said, ex- right. okay. especially Australia, mate, you know, we've got we've got two tiers. You're either rural or you're city. There's nobody in between. Yeah. Meaning that there's not yeah. sort of like tree changes and all the rest of it. In Western Australia, where I'm from in Queensland, we voted overwhelmingly for the Liberal National Party, and that was specifically about the economy. And about jobs okay. and the like. Okay. So what? What I think yeah, is, jobs, yeah, immigration, job. things like that. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was actually more. It was honestly. I, I say this sincerely. It was more about jobs in Western Australia and Queensland. People were very concerned that when Bill Shorten came in, he was he was the uh, Labor, like the Corbyn candidate, the Labor Party candidate. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. platform yeah. was built on, and I think this is a big mistake. So this is my question for you. He came in and he said that we're not going to cost our environmental policy, which means our, our carbon reduction policy. Now, when you've got two states that are, are, as, are as reliant on mining and the export of fossil material to China as what Western Australia and what Queensland are, that's politically toxic. Okay. Do yeah, you got do you guys have yeah, yeah. Do you guys have the same situation in the UK where I am just going off my memory here but I think Newcastle's a big mining town if I'm not mistaken or the the north of England is is, is it the same situation? Well, there? yeah, it's not anymore to be perfectly honest. I mean, the 80s you know with Thatcher that really destroyed the whole kind of UK um you know mining industry. There is it's it's very very small scale if if mm. existence at all these days you know uh, we rely on imports you know uh, from from other nations and um but yeah so so yeah but it, it, it is about jobs you know ultimately people are worried about uh, the economy and and because you know, ultimately it's all about kind of getting away from the effects of austerity and and kind of all these cuts that have been affecting uh as I say in the song, austerity kills. You know, the way yeah. that these cutbacks over the past 20 years systematically um, reduced the opportunity and disenfranchised and alienated and forced poverty upon the poorest and most vulnerable members of society. You know, there's a massive cutback on disability cutbacks, which you know affects people that, are, that, right? that need it the most. Yeah. So, so that's a huge, huge, massive. Experience. So, so really, I think these issues need to be. Um, 
be addressed. You know, we're very um, conscious of uh, the National Health Service, which is a really you know, important institution here in, in the UK. And that has been absolutely savaged by uh, by cutbacks over the years as well. And, um, you know, now with the effects of Brexit, we, we're kind of almost losing 50 percent of the staff that, that work there. You know, mm. 50 staff, by the majority of of, uh, of foreign workers, you know, that come over and bring their skills and do their nursing jobs. And so there is a bit of a crisis going on with, with that here in the, in the UK. And so I think if he can reach out and uh, appeal to the general public and, and provide, um, you know, a bit of hope, a bit of hope is what's needed, really. A bit of bit of light and a reduction of all these kind of like uh, mm. cutbacks directly affecting people's pockets you know and um, mm. if that can be addressed then i think he's on to a winner mm, there you go hey look just um i'll do a time check now i've been talking for about 35 minutes how much more time have we got uh, i've got i've got about another five ten minutes about 10 minutes on that yeah all right take it up go. to about uh, take it up to about 12 all right well i'll just ask you a couple more questions then about the music side of things okay so you mentioned something earlier there about side projects that were going on now that doesn't surprise me at all given the creatively fertile environment you guys are, are plowing but what about yours what side projects have you got in store well yeah i mean i've had a I kind of i obviously get offered quite a lot of things to do you know guest vocal guest vocals on on albums i've generally tried to back back off doing that hmm. over the past year or so so you know i don't get the reputation of being a, a vocal whore <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so but uh, there, there is there's one one little project which is bubbling up which we've been working on and thinking about and trying to get together for the past year or so and that's um that's a project which involves me and uh, my good friend mr david ingram and um, yep. also the uh the, the master of um of death metal vocals, Mr. Cam Lee, and uh, so there's a band called Troikodon. Cam Lee, which is going to basic Cam wow. Lee, yeah, yeah. So me, so it's going to have like three vocalists involved in it, each delivering, you know, separate songs or combining Holy on shit. each song there to kind of go. like different te- textures. So yeah, so that's that's something that's going to be in the works, and we're going to try. We've been trying to get together for about past year or so, but we've all been so bloody busy doing our own little things that it's been impossible to get together. And uh, I think it's is it Roger Johnson is going to be doing the, the music for it as well. The guy from Sweden, he's one of... Um, Roger Johnson, uh, one okay. of, I think he is, I'm not sure. I can't, I can't remember. He's um, quite a well-known guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so so that's something that we, we're working on, and we're hopefully going to get that together some stage at this some stage this year. Hopefully towards the end of the year, get that in the bag, and that'll be exciting to do. Because never done anything like that before, so it'd be interesting to do something that. You know, Wales working yeah. on a little side project which is called Dark um, Darkened, which he's, he's putting together okay. with some some friends, which sounds good as well. That's worth checking out. And Scott's working on a little side project called As the World Dies, which is just in the process of putting together at the moment as well. So, yeah, we've got lots of interesting things happening to um, to sate our creativity and keep us pushing forward. Mm. And then once, you know, I think once we've done that, we'll still be kind of thinking about writing uh, new material probably, but you know, aiming maybe not to, you know, record it next year, but maybe do it, you know, the following year. That would be a good plan in my opinion. But who knows? Who knows? Everything, change, everything can change overnight once things happen. So uh, that's, the, that's the general idea at this point, Matt. Mm. 
Mate, uh, these things are always over too quickly when I talk. I reckon I could talk to you for three or four hours and it would still be over too quickly. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, you're a legend of the music industry. You know how much I love listening to your music. You're, you're, a, you're a fine human being, Carl. You know, just, <laughs> That's nice just, to hear. Just the way you, you had a chat to my daughter before and everything is the measure of a man as far as I'm concerned with these sorts of things. And, you know, uh, uh, she, sounds, she sounds wonderful. Mate, my final question for you, brother, is... Uh, I love watching you guys play, and I haven't had the opportunity to. I'm talking about over YouTube. When are you coming down here to, to perform live? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a question we get asked <laughs> quite a lot. To be perfectly I'm honest, and, um, <laughs> we want you. Re, yeah, the, the brutal reality of it is that um, you know, financially and logistically, it's almost impossible. You know, mm, because yeah, I get it. to actually get get over there and maybe play a handful of shows, four or five shows in the, in the major cities over there. A, it will probably take us, you know, eight to 10 days to kind of do that, you know, uh, which is probably two weeks off work. Uh, and also, you know, financially to get over there and do it, it's, it's, it's almost impossible because it costs such a lot to get there and then you turn and travel and accommodation mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it would have to be a really good offer to, to, for it to work. And we've had, we haven't had any offers. We haven't had a single offer from any Jeez. Australian promoters since we started. So, so there's the fact. There's the, the bare brutal facts of it. It's we've all got we've all got jobs. You know, we've all got yeah, um, yeah. we've all got kids. I've got two young kids. You know, five and seven. I've got mm. one mother with dementia. So we've all got kind of res- responsibilities and commitments outside of doing this band. Um, so yeah, doing that, it's highly, it'd be great and never say never. You might get a phone call tomorrow off someone else offering, offering a, us a stupid amount of money to come over and do that. It's, it's unlikely, but <laughs> if, if, if that was to happen, you know, definitely jump at the chance of doing it. Yeah. For me, there's unfinished business in, in Australia. You know, I enjoyed it when we came over in 1993, yes. we nearly got there in 2015 and that feels that. To me, feels like a, a loss in the battle of life, you know. And I mm-hmm. something I'd like to overcome at some point, and and get back down there and 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 uh, shake our stuff down there. We know we've got a, bas- a massive following in in, uh, in Australia. You do, the mate. Feedback we yeah, get. you really do. Uh, yeah. So we'd love to. We'd love to. But um, the reality of it is, the financial, logistical, and economics of it would probably make it impossible at this point. But uh, mm. you never know. If I win the lottery tomorrow, <laughs> I can give up my job, <laughs> take the family. Then it can happen. Right. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Hey, hey, mate. My final point would be: Are you are you okay if I release all of our conversation here as a podcast episode? Because there's so much good stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what we're talking for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you uh, release it as a podcast. Send me the links. I shall make sure that we uh, we share it on our social media feeds as well, mate. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I love your work, mate. It's it's such a privilege to good talk man. to you all the time. And uh, good luck good. with everything. And no doubt we'll be talking again soon. Well, who knows? Probably around about this time next year, maybe. We might be talking again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. You take care. Thank Give you, mate. To your lovely little girl as well as with. Thank you so much, mate. All right. All the best with everything, and we'll chat <laughs> All again. All the best. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was the very legendary Kyle Willits from Memoriam and bolt thrower. Thanks so much for listening.